This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, February 18, 2020. And of course, as usual, there's always kinds of all kinds of news out. And um, and of late, it's all about the coronavirus and its threat on the economy of China and, of course, the other places around the world. We'll, we'll talk about that. Markets like security. They don't like all this, what's happening in China and is it going to, how bad is it going to affect everybody? And Markets don't like that. That's why you're seeing a lot of volatility. It's making, making investors nervous. So, and that's what, that's what we're dealing with. But... I think the coronavirus fears may have already been kind of baked into the trading calculations. I think that we already know, we meaning the investing public, know what kind of effect. And I don't think we're seeing that much of an effect. Now, don't get me wrong. There's going to be effects on certain companies like Apple today talked about downgrading their their their, their uh, expectations because of this. But it's going to have an effect, but the market is already pretty much baked in how much of it they need to worry about. Anyways, it's an interesting thing. It really is. Um, you're listening to InvestTalk, and you want strategies to help you deal with the volatility that we're talking about, so maybe we can help you with that. We'll get to work on that. Maybe you can call us and ask your questions. This is a call-in show, and our goal is to obtain financial freedom for everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. I hope you'll call me in this hour. Uh, this through the Vest Talk Radio program that we do every day, Monday through Friday, and the podcast uh, where we take out all the commercials. And, uh, my company, KPP Financial, and I can help you become a better investor. That's what I think we can do. Justin Klein and I are, are able to do this by helping you with a, a sound philosophy of growing your own money, independently thinking. Don't don't just Buy because someone said this on the TV. You got to think independently, not just. And we'll help you with that. We think independently, and we'll help you. We'll share it. We'll share every our thought process with you. Now, so we're a little bit different from other investment advisors because I'm dedicated, Justin's dedicated to unbiased guidance, and we recommend investment strategies that we implement for ourselves. So. Uh, it, it's, it's really simple. Our investment, our investments, we write along with our clients. We call it parallel investing. We buy the same thing, same percentage, same price as our clients. Everybody in each of the programs buy and sell the same things. Now, that doesn't tell you that we always make money and we do great. That just tells you that if we do, don't make money and we don't do great, we suffer right along with you. Then, of course, if we do great, we benefit right along with you, too. So, that's called parallel investing. Hardly anybody does that. And there's reasons why. But we do do it. So, now that we got things straight, I'm here to answer any of your financial investing questions you might have. Or anytime listener line number is open. And I'm taking your calls live right now. 888-99-CHART. And as a reminder, my February 27th appointment schedule in San Jose is full, but we did set up a second date, March 20th, with Justin Klein. He'll, he'll be returning to San Jose because we had a little overflow there 
And, you know, he's willing and wanting to take talk to you about your portfolio just like I do. So, don't we do have time set up if we go to San Jose. It's all about helping you get to that financial freedom goal, everybody. We sit down with you. We talk about your portfolio. We talk about what you're doing with your, your working life, how many years you're away from retirement, you know, what kind of debt you have, what kind of assets you have, you know, it's what changes have to be made if you want to retire at a certain age. Remember, retirement is not stop working. For some people, there is no retirement at all. Some people keep working what they're doing, just keep working. For most people, though, it's stop doing what you have to do and then go do what you want to do, whatever that, that definition of that is. That's financial freedom. You have the choice to do that. Okay. My main talking point today concerns this, the story. The coronavirus scare has caused fund managers to slash China's growth outlook. Investment professionals now see China's 12.2 trillion economy rise into an average of 5.2% over the next three years. That's very different from what they've been doing. I've got other stories, too, that we're going to talk about. How about Americans are saving more money? More. Hmm. And two years after Trump tax cut, who actually is getting benefits? You know, there's a lot of people accusing other people of not or am or different. There's class warfare. The rich are getting richer, poor getting poor, whatever you want to do. But I want to get to the facts. Who who really benefited from those the, the last two years from those tax cuts? Actually made out. Who did that? And did you see the story about Tesla in Germany trying to build a factory in Germany? Now, this demonstrates. I'm going to give you the story. The, and this demonstrates why Europe always have subpar economic growth and have high unemployment. This story alone kind of tells you the story about that. Okay, and this is all about Tesla trying to build their factory in Germany. So, those are things we're going to talk about. Of course, you come first. The, the Dow was down 166 points today, but the NASDAQ was up two points. The S&P down 10. So let's go ahead and go to the callers. Let's go to Sid in North Carolina. How are you doing, Sid? Hey, Steve. Good evening. I'm doing good. How are you? Thank you for the... I'm good. Thank you for the call. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm actually looking for the ticker symbol MU, Micron Technology, okay. uh, which yes. has a good growth in the last couple of quarters. I'd like to hear your opinion. Uh, thank you. Uh, the, okay, this is Micron Technologies makes DRAM and NAND and flash memory and image sensors and using computer servers and consumer electronics kind of stuff. They're a $64 billion company, so they're huge. They do about $5 billion of sales every quarter. That does fluctuate every so often. Um, and that's lower than a year ago, by the fact. matter of fact. You know, that's... Quarter over quarter, that went from 4.8 billion to 5.1 billion. So that was up, okay. Quarter over quarter, but year over year, it's not, because a year ago there were seven, eight billion dollars a quarter. Now they're five, so that's just the change. Now uh, they're going to make two dollars and thirty-six cents this year, which is big come down from last year of six dollars thirty-five cents. But next year they're going to rebound to five dollars and fifty-one. That's the estimates. 
And $5.51 a share at a $57 stock price is a pretty reasonable price, even though this stock has risen pretty much steadily for the last year. I mean, a year ago, it was around 40. Now it's 57. And, you know, it was volatile in between those times, as you've probably seen, Sid. Um, is it a good thing? To, it's, is it a good stock to own right now? Well, the, the reason why the PEs are kind of low is because the sales are kind of erratic. It's not like a steady growth. They have cycles that, you know, they grow real fast and then they don't. And then they grow real fast and they go. It's, it's a kind of a cycle. Um, and so you're asking if they're kind of, are you, do you own it or do you want to buy it, Sid? Uh, Steve, I, I'm planning to buy, um, if at all okay. it's a good uh, place to, so I'm planning to buy. Okay. Well, the return equity is very good at 21%. Management owns 1%. Mutual funds are slowly buying. I think this is a pretty decent price. I I, I mean, I could see it going back into the 40s. I can. But far as next year's earnings are looking strong compared to this year's earnings. So I, I think, you know, I think it's, you know, I think it's a good buy. It's not, it's not a great buy at this price. Okay. I guess that's how I should say it. It's a good buy because it's a reasonable price, but not a great buy. Sid, appreciate the call. Thank you. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley. And let me remind you that the Invest Talk radio program and its condensed podcast replays provide a daily dose of market news with unbiased commentary by us me and justin and we're heading into a quick break now and i'm taking your questions at 888-99-CHART it's back to work after the president's day holiday and you've got finance and investing questions right well that's fine because Steve Peasley is here now and he's ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888 99 Chart. Okay, let's talk to Sid in San Diego. Hiya, Sid. Let's talk about Chevron Corporate. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Will, Will. I'm sorry. Will in San Diego. Uh, Will in San Diego. Yeah, I, I, sorry, Will. Yeah, enjoy the show. I just wanted to know if. Chevron is fully valued, or do you think it has more room to run? I think it has more room to run. Uh, Chevron, let's talk about it a little bit. A symbol of CVX, and I'm sure everybody knows it's engaged in exploration, production, refining, marketing of oil and gas in the United States and worldwide. And it's been beat up because of the coronavirus. I mean, there's, you know, the, 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 the worry was that it's going to slow down the economy of China, and therefore their demand for oil, gasoline and oil products going to go down, oh, disrupting the worldwide, you know, blah, 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 blah. And that's why the stock went from $120 all the way down to 105 and now it's 110 I think it's going back to 120 easy. I do. I think it's going to, that's where it's going to go back, to 120 Meanwhile, it pays 4.7% dividend. Well, that's the beauty about this stock. You know, uh, the mutual funds are actually been net buyers of it. They haven't really sold off. The stock. So I, I, it's a big blue chick oil company that I think will recover. And I think that it's if you're gonna if you want to buy it, this is a, this is where you buy it. You know, bottom was 105. That would have been perfect. But no, we can buy it perfect. But 110 is pretty good. So I think I think it's a good buy. I really do. Well, CVX Chevron. Let's talk to Robert in Vancouver. How you doing, Robert? Hey, I got a lot of relatives in Vancouver, Washington. 
How's it going? <laughs> I'm good. How are you, Steve? I'm good. You think I'm kidding? No, I got a sister-in-law who had 12 children. Two were adopted. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. a little while, actually, <laughs> not too long ago, I bought AEM, the Eagle Mines company, and uh-huh. it was trailing up, but then all of a sudden, it just, it just went down, it nosedived. Oh, yeah, I took a big dive. I cut my glasses and get out of it. I mean, it went down like this now. I'm almost Did you find out why? Did you find out why it felt like that? I read all over the news, and it doesn't make any sense. I mean, like, they're just saying that they're just going to cut down production by a a light mount, and then everybody just decided to jump ship. And I don't know if I should just jump ship as a stock doomed. I mean, did I just make a big mistake and lose, like, 20% off the bat for no reason? I, I I don't never you know I'll, I'll give you a little I'll give you a little uh, rule when a stock collapses in one day or two days do not sell it do not it's already too late it already collapsed right so now the question is is it going to continue to collapse and I think the odds are once a collapse a sharp collapse one and two day collapse of the stock. If you want to wait a few days to see if there's follow-through, yeah, it'll be more pain if there is follow-through, but I, more more often than not, it will stop and it will bounce back to about 50% of the collapse. So I, 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 at the very minimum, I think that I would wait to see that. But we need to find out what was the collapse about specifically. And if we can find that out, and is that a one-time problem or is it an ongoing problem? And then you have to remember, this is a gold mining company. This is AEM, everybody, gold mining company. And find out if, uh, you know, do you think gold's going up? Prices of gold going up? I kind of think it probably will. So I wouldn't sell it at this point. Call me in about a week, Robert, and we'll talk about it again. How's that? Do that. And then we'll talk about it. Appreciate the call. AEM is a symbol. On the next Invest Talk. The mini mortgage refinance boom continues as the coronavirus keeps rates low. Isn't that funny that that would do that? That story is tomorrow, everybody. But for now, I'm Steve Peasley. I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. 888-992-4278. Okay, coronavirus scare leads fund managers to slash growth prospects in China. So, China used to grow 10%. 10 years ago, they were growing 10% a year. Uh, last year, 6.4, 6.7, something like that. And they're now, for the next three years, averaging 5.2% growth. And what if they're lying about how severe the coronavirus is in China? You know, they shut down that whole Wuhan city of what, 11 million people? I mean, shut it down. So, that's going to be, have a pretty, pretty good size impact in China. Uh, but 
I've noticed that at the same time, investors, that by the way, these fund managers predicting 5.2% uh, growth is got a, from Bank of America, the fund manager survey from by Bank of America. So that's where they got that number from. So that's going to be, be interesting. Now, the news out on, on the coronavirus, uh, that you, you just can't ignore it. It, it really is, is everywhere, and you've got to pay attention to it and try to keep track of some of the details, even though I don't know if you can believe the numbers out of China. We just can't. But, you know, you can't believe the numbers out of Japan, out of South Korea, and that's where it's having a ripple effect. I mean, Japan, I think, has the most outbreaks of the coronavirus in any country. Remember, they're the third largest economy in the world. So it's affecting them. Now, um, Apple became the latest company to warn about you know, the trouble with coronavirus, saying that it would not meet its guidance for March quarter revenue. So it's slowing down iPhone production and weaker, weaker demand inside China. So, also, there are now conflicting stories about the mortality rate of this virus. And this report said that the kill rate was low, meaning a small percentage of those infected would die. However, now there are some scientists claiming the coronavirus mortality rate is 20 times higher than the flu. Hmm. In China, which, of course, is the center of where this is coming from, the head of the hospital that right at the center, right there, died from the virus, the head of the hospital. Now, he was the seventh health worker to, to die from this, from trying to treat people. That's got to be, that's, that's sad. That's just sad. The total death toll in China has now climbed to 1,868 people, and they say there's 72,436 people infected. 72,000. Could be double that. Some people are hinting that it might be, you know, whether they're right or wrong, I don't know. We will never know, probably. China's lockdown of the cities and tough curbs on travel and movement have, have limited the spread, so it seems like they're trying to get on top of it. It looks like it could have peaked now, but we don't really know. We really, really don't know for sure. It has disrupted economies in Japan, uh, South Korea, and all those countries around that Asia area. Including us. I mean, we're not, you just don't stand alone. And by the way, Japan has 520 cases of this virus, in case you wanted to know that. 520. And they're the second largest, you know, country that has the second largest cases. Anyways, we've, we've done pretty good. If you notice that our numbers aren't going up at all and we've pretty much contained it, that's, I think that, that speaks volume to our healthcare systems. I think that, that, that speaks good volumes. I think that's good. Okay, let's keep things moving. Here comes another caller question, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Stephen Justin. This is Ron in San Diego. I just wanted to give you a call about a stock, UPS. Looking at it for a long-term play. Pays a nice dividend. Missed on earnings recently. Looks like it's putting in a bottom chart-wise. Just wanted to get your take. Um, looking at it long-term, you know, 10 to 15 years at least. Is a core position. We'd love to get your take. Thank you. Bye. Did, did he say UPS? I think he said UPS. It's of course is the delivery, uh, the mail and delivery 
delivers packages and documents throughout the United States and over 200 countries. It's a $91 billion stock. I mean, it's a big company, okay? Um, is it, should, it, should it be a core holding? It certainly could be. Uh, they're gonna, they've money, they've grown their money every year for years. They, they went from $7.53 a share, earning $7.53. That's not an estimate. It's what they earned in 2019. 2020 this year, the estimate is $7.88. And next year, $8.51. And that's what? 5 to 8% return uh, uh, growth. And sales are growing 3 to 4 to 5%. It's a very big company. UPS, $91 billion. Pays a 3.8% dividend. So as a blue chip, you want to buy blue chips at a discount, and it's a 14 PE, and they're going to make 851. So yeah, this is a good price to buy. I say yes, especially with that dividend. Okay, we got it. We got a break. Let's get things moving here. Uh, as an Talk listener, you understand that the amount of taxes you pay are one major factor impacting your ability to achieve financial freedom. So as we go to break, here's my trivia question. In America, what is the least tax-friendly state? And what is the most tax-friendly state? I'll have the answer after the break. But now, we're taking your market and financial questions live, 888-99-CHART. Overall, I feel pretty good about our investment decisions. But there are times I wonder if our current 401k plan could be doing better. I mean, which funds are the right funds for me, for us? You're listening to someone who could benefit from KPP Financial's active 401k program. I can't spend all my time following the market, and I'm sure it would certainly be a big help to receive advice based on real data from unbiased advisors. The active 401k program features math-based models to guide you in and out of the various investment options in your plan. KPP monitors and advises. You take action. With the active 401k program, KPP clients immediately see current investment recommendations configured to match their personal plan preferences. Active 401k. Okay. Take the next step toward your financial freedom. Start with a contact call to KPP Financial. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, where Invest Talk hosts and KPP principals Steve Peasley and Justin Klein practice parallel investing. That means Steve and Justin's accounts participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. You can learn more about parallel investing at investtalk.com. Okay, before the break, I asked a trivia question. In America, what is the least tax-friendly state and what is the most tax-friendly state? Here's the answer. A number of analysts have determined that Illinois is the least tax-friendly state in America, and personal finance publication Kiplinger's has confirmed that conclusion. Why is Illinois number one on the least-friendly state list? Well, mostly because they have insanely high property taxes. Property taxes. To draw its conclusions, Kiplinger's used a hypothetical couple with two kids, 150000 in income to tax, income a year, plus 10000 in dividend income. It then looked at the income, property, and sales tax burden that family would face. The land of Lincoln was number one, followed by Connecticut and New York. 
both of which have pretty high income taxes. Wisconsin was number four, and New Jersey number five, least tax-friendly states. Okay, how about the most, the five most tax-friendly states? The five most tax-friendly states. I could have guessed, I guessed one out of the five. Number one is Wyoming. Number two is Nevada. That's the one I guess. Number three is Tennessee. Four is Florida. And number five is Alaska. There's your lineup. Isn't that interesting? Uh huh. You know, Illinois surprises me because you know their economy stinks, <laughs> and you would think that they would want to attract, you know, attract more business friendly. One of the ways to do that is lower your tax burden for everybody. But apparently not. They got this is the problem. Governments get addicted to your money, and they want more and more and more of it. No matter what you do, they still want more. You think you you think they got enough? No. That's why I I I just think we should not give them any more of our money. I think they have plenty of it. Just treat it with respect. I don't mind paying taxes, but I don't want to pay all my money in taxes. Okay, here comes another caller question. We'll be the, 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 they came in earlier. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Yes, this is Jason in Alabama. I heard the other day on one of the podcasts, uh, Steve mentioned that REITs give back ninety percent of their earnings. I believe it was. My question, and I'll try to compact this as fast as possible, is: Would owning three or four different REITs be a good idea for dividend income? What's the difference between them and ETS? Or basically, how does a REIT work? And is there a point where you have too many REITs in different sectors? Thank you very much, and have a good day. Trust. To qualify for real estate and trust, and the benefit of real estate and trust is this. Real estate investment trusts have to pay 90% of their earnings out in the form of dividend to you, the shareholder. If they do that, and they've got to be related to property in some way. If they do that, they don't have to pay income tax at the at the corporate level. They don't have to pay corporate income tax. You know, most companies pay corporate income tax, and then they pay a dividend, and you got to pay taxes on that income, too. It's taxed twice. A REIT is not. So, is it a good idea to have REITs? Are they good income producers? Yes and yes. Now, obviously, remember, it's real estate, and then real estate has cycles, and there are a number of REITs in different parts of the real estate market. I'm not keen on the mortgage REITs. I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in the REITs that actually own properties. But you could have, you know, a mall REIT. You could have warehouse REITs. You could have pro, uh, uh, apartment REITs or medical properties REITs. There's all kinds of different sectors that they could be in in real estate. So, yes, I think it's a good way to have income producing. I think income producing is key in a portfolio, and REITs are one way to, to accomplish that. Now, should your whole portfolio be REITs? No. No, you have to also have proper diversification. But I do like REITs. Let's go to Brian in San Francisco. How are you doing, Brian? Good. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Uh, I had a question about the melt-up. Uh, like theory, you know, when um, the market just spikes up really fast before it falls into uh, usually a recession. Just wanted to know your thoughts yep. on that and maybe what to look out for and stuff like that. Yeah, the market, the stock market always falls prior to the recession. 
prior. They actually fall prior to it, believe it or not. And it starts to recover in the depths of a recession. Why? Well, for some reason, over the last umpteen million recessions, the stock market anticipates it, or maybe the stock market helps cause that recession. Now, how do you you look at leading economic indicators to try to get some hint as to whether or not we're entering or going to be entering a recession? You also look, every Friday I give the two-year and the ten-year uh, two-year and 10-year U.S. Treasuries yields, whenever there is an inversion, when the two-year Treasury yields more than the 10-year Treasury, that's always been an indication of recession within a year. It happened uh, about three or four months ago, by the way, for about two weeks, where there were, the two-year would earn you more than the 10-year. And it's squeezing back down now. So historically, that's been a signal, a recession signal. But it's no one knows, Brian, you never get an exact, okay, these are the things you look for, and there it is, the recession. And you don't know exactly the timing. It could be three months, a month, a year, you know. But usually, you'll know that you're moving into recession. Right now, we're not. But there is some red flags are out there, but I don't think we're moving into recession this year. It doesn't, not with the Federal Reserve lowering interest rates and doing a, uh, undescribed called QE. They are doing a quantitative easing, meaning they're pumping money into the system. So even though they said they haven't defined it as that, but they are doing it. So usually that that does not result. What normally results in a, is in a recession is interest rates starting to move up. The Federal Reserve raising interest rates and interest rates rising. That usually is the first signal that a recession's on the horizon. We haven't seen that, so I don't think it's. A, we've seen rates go down. So I think we're okay for a while. Brian, good questions, though. Thank you. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I hope you're making the right choices with the money you have in your 401k, IRA, wherever you have your money. Doesn't matter. You have to make the good choices. So, you know, candidly speaking, unless you have a lot of time to study fundamentals and trends and all the information I and my true my crew and my competitors do, you, you, you're you at a disadvantage. You're just at a disadvantage. Doesn't mean you can't do it. You can do it. This is not rocket science. This means you need to spend time. Okay, and that's where Justin and I can help you. Okay, we have, you know, we have math-based models to help guide you in your 401k choices. If you can't decide when to get in, when to get out, what to buy, how much risk you want to take, and what that means and the choices you have in your 401k, we have something called Active 401k. That's a program called Active 401k that we monitor and advise, and then you just watch for the signals in your personal 401k, buy and sell, what you should own. And it's based on your risk tolerance, how much risk you're willing to take, and all that kind of stuff. Again, it's called Active401k and investtalk.com. And now I'm taking your questions live, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Steve Peasley will be in San Jose, California to conduct his no-cost and no-obligation portfolio review consultations on February 27th. But Steve has already filled his appointment schedule for that day. So, a new consultation date has been added. On March 20th, Justin Klein will travel to San Jose. Serious investors should go to the portfolio review page at investtalk.com and register early for the best times. 
And now, you want unbiased answers, and Steve and Justin are ready to take your questions. Call Invest Talk 888 99Chart. Okay, Americans are saving more now. The rate that they're saving at now of their disposable income is 7.7%. In the 1980s, it was closer to 12%. In the 1990s, it fell down to 10%. And then in 2000, it fell all the way down to 4%. So now we're back up to 7.7%, personal savings rates. So that's good. That's good news. We need money to be saved. You need to save it. Everybody needs to save it. They need to put money aside. Be prepared. Worry about your own retirement. Don't expect the government to give you, you know, Social Security was never designed to help. It was only designed to help, never designed to give you total security in retirement. That's what it was. It was never designed for that. To be, It was only for helping you. So just remember that. Two years after the Trump tax cut, who actually benefited from that? I mean, I, there's a lot of politics going on here. I'm just trying to get to the truth. I want to know what is actually happening. And so I, I read some, uh, several p- papers on this because, you know, you know, I'm a reader. I like to read everything. Anyways, uh, in 2018, 40% of the Americans believed they had a tax cut. Only 40%. And only 20% were actually certain they got a tax cut. So what is true? Well, the Tax Policy, Policy Center, there was a study by the Tax Policy Center showed that actually 65% of all taxpayers got a tax cut. And 6% actually paid more. So perceptions were wrong or off. Okay? Now, what... what why were the, why were they off? I'm trying to figure out. Well, why does everybody believe that? Okay. Well, one of the reasons is because of the change it made. Remember that there's a cap on t- a ten thousand limit, and that affected like California and New York and New Jersey, ten thousand limit because our property taxes were so high because the properties are so high. So the rates might be low in California, but the value of the property is super high. So we pay a lot of taxes. A lot more than 10,000 as far as number of people, and therefore they were limited to write-offs. So that was a problem. So the high-tax states, people living in those high-tax states really suffered. Self-employed people benefited, and people with children benefited. So they made out, but people without children, like me, and people in a high-tax state, like me, we got shafted. However, I am self-employed, so maybe I got some benefit from being there. Anyways, I thought I'd share that with you because most people don't think that they got much of a tax cut, but they did really did. Really did. I don't know how much. I don't. I didn't figure out how much, but we did. Now, as I think you must have noticed by now, Justin and I have made a practice to fit in as many fit in as many callers' questions as possible. So here, here's this, here's another one that came in earlier. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Hello, I'm Nathan from Marion, Ohio. Uh, love the show. Uh, you guys have helped me out a lot. Uh, I got a question on stock S R N E Sorrento Therapeutics. I purchased this. Just to dabble in it, I bought 100 shares because I've heard Steve say before, buy the rumor, sell the the news or whatever. This company was rumored to be selling. 
you know, so I bought it expecting it to be sold at $7 and make some money off of it. Well, the deal didn't go through and my stock went back down. And so what do I do in this situation? I, I didn't use a lot of money. I just tried it out. Do I stay in this particular stock? Because I know that they are trying to sell. I think that they do have a good product. I think that they will eventually find a buyer and it will sell for like seven, eight dollars when they do find a buyer. Should I just stay in it and see how it does? Or in this situation, should I just take it out and just put it somewhere else? Again, it was just a hundred shares. I wasn't playing a lot of uh, money, just playing with it. Your advice would be great. Thank you. Bye. Okay, uh, as I told people before, you know, why, number one, I don't buy stocks that don't make money, and the stock doesn't. So, Rental Therapeutics, symbol SRNE, develops therapeutics in the areas of oncology, immunology, and infectious diseases. It's a very, very small company, $374 million, and they do about five, six million sales a quarter. Um, so, uh, they don't make money. They're going to lose $1.35 a share uh, in this fiscal year, which is still 2019 for them, and then 2020 lose 66 cents a share. So you bought it, but again, you can take a shot at something like this with a very little money, money that you don't mind losing because you're taking a gamble. It's pure gambling on this kind of stock. You're thinking that there's a rumor to buy the company. Well, you know, if that rumor got out there by anybody, the insiders, that they're going to get slapped and put in jail by the SEC. You cannot, you know, they're not supposed to relieve. That information is not supposed to be out there or it has to be out there and announced all so everybody knows it, not just the rumor of it. So, <coughs> so um, if it is a rumor, man, it's probably a pure rumor because no one's going to talk about it until it happens. Um I can tell you, I, I have no idea what this is worth. If it was me, I like the fact that you had a reason that you bought it and you, you had that reason. Now, the reason that you bought it no longer exists. So now you're making up another reason that eventually it's going to get bought. I don't like that thought, that last part. It didn't get bought when you thought it was going to get bought. Didn't happen, get out. You know, but that's me. That's how I would treat it. I would never own this. Because you know, I don't, I don't buy stocks like this. But you know what? You right. You really, you started off right. This is the reason I bought it. But that reason didn't come true. Well, that's the reason to get out because it didn't happen like you thought it was going to happen. So now you're extending it. But since it's not a lot of money and you're not worried about it, if you can ride it to see where it goes. But expect to lose all the money. You might get lucky, but it's pure luck. That's the problem with this kind of thing. This is Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here, always the same, to help you achieve financial freedom. So our work will continue right after this break. So get your questions in now, 888-99-CHART. On the next Invest Talk, this story, the mini mortgage refinance boom continues as the coronavirus keeps rates low. That story tomorrow. But now Steve Beasley is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call Steve, 888-99-CHART. Okay, let's go and take a caller. Let's talk to Michael in Fremont. How you doing, Michael? I'm doing great. How are you, Steve? I'm great. I appreciate the call. Thank you for listening. 
Yeah, I was interested in uh, your thoughts on CBL and associates. Okay. Yeah, this one's been being beaten up terribly. This is a REIT, everybody. It's a very, very small REIT, but it makes money. Okay. So it's a REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust, that acquires, develops, leases, managed, and manages malls and community centers primarily in 26 states. This stock is now 67 cents a share. So it's a penny stock. It was making money, and it is going to make money next year, but it's going to make 72 cents next year, 2021. This this year, it's going to make 81 cents a share. That's the estimate. But last year, in 2019, they made $1.35. The year before, $1.73. The year before that, $2.08. The year before that, $2.40. So you can see the trajectory down, 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 and sales are going down, 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 too. Most recent quarter, down 13%. Why? Well, because these malls are competing with Amazon and the big, big uh, department stores are closing like everywhere. So a REIT that's focused on that sector is not going to do very well. I wouldn't buy this, even though it makes money, even though it's, you know, it's like one PE. uh, I think this looks like it's on its way to bankruptcy, even though they're still making money. Because of the business model is no longer viable anymore. They got to figure out how to fix that. And I don't know if they're going to be in time. They have a huge amount of debt. So this is going to be a problem for them. I, I would not buy this. I would not be anywhere near this, Michael. CBL. Thanks for the call, though. Appreciate it. 888 chart, everybody. 888-992-4278. Okay. Tesla is building a big factory. It wants to build, build, build a big factory in Germany. They bought the property. They're getting the permits and all that stuff, okay? And, you know, it's great. Tesla's building a factory. And it's great. They should build, probably build a factory in, in, in Germany. So they bought the land, and they've been cutting down the trees in the land. It's like 41 acres or so. But before they cut any more trees, they got to do another study, and they have had to do massive amounts of studies already. They have to put up hundreds upon hundreds of bird houses nearby. They got to replant three times as many trees as they cut down. They have to take. They have to. They have to move ants, bats, and they've stopped construction or stopped cutting down the trees because they found two World War II bombs on the property. So now the government in Germany wants them. There's lizards they got to protect. Okay, this is why Europe is always going to have always going to be a second-rate economy. Not because they're they protecting the environment. They should protect the environment, but they they make the companies stop at the drop of a hat the process of trying to build a factory. After they've done all the studies and done all the work, they'll make them stop again. You know how disruptive that is of trying to remember when you have those people who have not been involved in building things, you get things set up as a schedule. Okay, at this at this time you're going to have these workers do this. Then these workers come in and do this, and you have this schedule. And every time you interrupt it, it costs millions of more dollars, especially a factory like this, millions of more dollars and time delays, and therefore it stops, slows down the economy. Who wants to build anything in Germany? Who wants to build anything in Europe? They'll rather build it someplace that's more friendly, and then they do. 
they'll go to Asia somewhere. They'll go to Mexico. They'll, you know, almost any, almost any economic zone is friendlier than the EU to try to start up or keep going or build a new factory, start up a big company. It's just easier. It's, it's, it, that's, they tie their hands terribly. They're meaning the people that want to build or new factories or whatever. And then once you hire people, they never let you lay them off or, or you know, <laughs> it's just it's just difficult to become a businessman in Europe. It's difficult. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investop program. I will return tomorrow, I promise. In the meantime, I invite you to access the free library of condensed podcasts at Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or investtalk.com. You can take a look at all, any of them, all of them. Have a great night, everybody. See you tomorrow. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered and offered to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART.